But it feels weird to talk this loud, Why? which I feel like is how what I'd have to do to match it. <laughs> That's how you normally talk in the episodes, though, except for like certain points. Like if I'm talking yeah. for a while and you like agree in the middle of it, you'll go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 32, Execution. I feel like this is such an upbeat intro for like... I know, I was just thinking like... Execution. I'm so happy and ooh, execution. (laughs) Well, I guess it's okay because he doesn't technically die, so... That's true, I guess. I know. (laughs) I mean, it's still pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The beginning part of this chapter discusses Burek, and it looks like an introduction to him in a history book that they would continue to talk about him to. So it says Mm -hmm. that he was the stable master. He was of much renown. He got his start in Prince Chivalry's soldiers, and Prince Chivalry took a, a liking to him. After a disciplinary matter regarding a tavern brawl, maybe. And there's a bunch of like rumors related to a few things of his life. Eventually, it says that he was noticed for being very gifted with animals, and chivalry put him in charge of that. And how he was injured and had a limp for the rest of his life, and eventually his accolades in that regards to a stable master, that his herbal remedy was responsible for halting the outbreak of scalars that afflicted the lambs of Burns' duchy following the blood plague years. He saved the flocks from total decimation, as well as kept the disease from spreading into Buck Duchy. Which, the blood plague years as well... I remember we were, ta- we were talking about that before, yeah, discussing we, when it happened. We were trying to figure out when it would have happened. Yeah, so obviously it does sync up to the live ship traders timeline at some point, because they talk about that plague and a plague in general. Yeah. And I know we were discussing about when, if it was the same plague or what. Right. So. Yeah. I And it's hard to tell, too. Because I thought we had decided after that conversation, and maybe I'm just remembering wrong, I thought we had decided that the plague would have had to have happened whenever Fitz was on his own in between this series and the next Fitz series. And maybe that's just because that's what I thought to begin with, and we dispelled that. But it seems as though through this record or this entry that the blood plague was earlier than that. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was after this book i guess the reason for me being that althea was really young when it happened or potentially not even born and althea is like 20s ish whenever we meet her i think she's younger actually but well like either way 16 to 20 yeah and so that means it had to have happened within that time period but Fitz ends the series at 23 and we meet him again at like Uh, 40. He ends at like 20 or 21 and we meet him again at 30. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. That is, I believe, somewhat or 35, possibly. I think it's 15 years. 
at the end of the third book and the start of Tawny Man. But that doesn't mean that the blood plague couldn't have happened immediately after the third one or, you know, in the last half of his 15 years. True. Or just the the way it spread down to them happened later. Mm -hmm. But I, I, yeah, it's just, I don't know, not something that's discussed in too much detail. So it's very hard to figure out. Right. Not really sure. I think, I think it did happen. It must have happened during, man, this is hard to, hard to say because if Althea was like the youngest kid at 16 to 20 or something like that, somewhere in that age range, that would put her being born around now now yeah uh-huh. or maybe a year or two ago or maybe even four years ago potentially i really want to know if she was alive when her brothers passed away due to the plague i know i don't think she was but I, I could be misremembering. I know, because it's really if, hard. If she wasn't alive, then that's totally possible. Blood plague happened before her two, I think two older brothers passed away from it. Right. Maybe just one older brother passed away and another one. Something else happened. Something else happened. Yeah, I'm not sure. But the way that this is written, this beginning intro, makes it seem like this has happened way in the past. Mm-hmm. And obviously, because Birk is no longer the stable master after right. you know, and, the middle of this book. And it doesn't mention anything about Birk uh, having fits with him or right. raising the bastard or even anything to do with um, the wit trial against Fitz and how he you know probably knew. what I just thought of? I th- it, this might have been it, actually. In the first book, when he is... When Fitz is, what, he's like 11 or 13 or something like that. Beerick goes away for a few months. That's true. He does. And that's when Fitz has like the run of the town and then he meets Patience later. Right. For the first time. I think that's when this happened. Okay. That would be my guess. That's Beerick going off to prevent this plague or the scalars or whatever yeah. it is in the years following the blood plague. So the blood plague would have happened before then. So at this point is about eight years ago that it happened or something like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And if it didn't affect the buck duchy at all, it would make sense that Fitz didn't talk about it at all. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So okay. I, I would think about like eight years ago or something at this point, maybe 10 years ago, the so blood plague happened. Before Althea is born, we're thinking. So yes. we'll have to like double check that. Yeah. But I don't know. Headcanon accepted for me. So timeline is so hard to sync up in these books <laughs> because there's no like actual calendar system. Right. Which I suppose is a good way to write things because then yeah, you can fit things in anywhere <laughs> then. And yeah. So very smart on Robin Hobbs part, but very frustrating on my part reading this. <laughs> Fitz is with Night Eyes at this point. At the end of last chapter, he went with Night Eyes into the dream, and they went hunting together. Fitz remarks, A sound, healthy body, surging down a snowy hillside in a series of exuberant leaps. Our passage left snow cascading from bushes in our wake. We had killed, we had eaten. All hungers were satisfied. The night was fresh and open, cracking cold. No cage held us. No men beat us. Together, 
we knew the fullness of our freedom. And eventually it goes down to Night Eyes shook ourselves all over, then took a deep snuff of the air. And they have a conversation. There's a lot of R and we in here, mm-hmm. but they're not fully linked yet. Right. It's still Night Eyes' body. Yep. And, and Night Eyes just taking along. Yeah, Night Eyes taking a lot of the action, doing a lot of the actions, mm-hmm. which is an interesting way to distinguish between now and later when they do link up. Yeah, definitely. And as, and especially because Fitz just doesn't, still doesn't really understand what he wants to happen. Right. He kind of understands the main message, but not what that means of come away with me, go with me. Fitz is still thinking, I think, physical, like I can't, I'm trapped, like mm-hmm. you, you want me to go with you. And then he goes either between that physical thing or, oh, you want me to die. So it's, he's still trying to grasp that and just enjoying the dream and away from his beaten body at this point. Right. Night Eyes is saying that morning comes and that fits, you know, saying that he doesn't want to think of it. And then they have this same conversation and Night Eyes says, you must come with me all the way. You must let go. So he had told me at least 20 times already. I could not mistake the urgency of his thoughts. It was not like Night Eyes to cling so firmly to an idea that had nothing to do with food. This was a thing he and Birik had decided. I must go with him. I could not fathom what he wanted me to do. And so Night Eyes is still, like, this is the last time that he has a chance to convince Fitz to let go. Right. And he's very insistent, and he's just repeating over and over, you must come with me now all the way before they come to wake you. Yeah, and Fitz can sense that Night Eyes is trying to be patient with him to explain this. And it's interesting that Fitz can't think about it any other way. He keeps getting told, I understand what you're saying, but you do not understand what I'm saying by Night Eyes. And yet Fitz keeps going, but my body's still there. He's not trying (laughs) to puzzle out a different meaning. He's just like... My body is locked in a cage. Yeah. And poor... Poor Night Eyes seems really frenzied in this to me, in my reading. He's saying, leave it, let it go, come with me, just over and over again. And it feels so desperate. Like, I'm reading the desperation in Night Eyes. Like, he has been conveyed that this, if this doesn't happen, Fitz dies, I'm sure. And I'm sure he's getting the sense of Fitz's beating over their link as well. Which probably reminds him of when he was a cub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't want his friend to endure that. And ugh, it's so sad. So he makes one last bid here. Leave it and come with me. Let go of it. You did it once before. Remember? So Fitz becomes more aware of their bond after all of this pleading and recognizes more of his body's aches and everything and kind of retreats back into Night Eyes and Night Eyes encourages that, like, yeah, that's right, let go of it. I'll just let go. And Fitz abruptly realizes what Night Eyes wants him to do. Once, yes, I remembered that I had let go of my body and left it in his care, only to awaken hours later beside Molly. But I was not sure how I had done it. And it had been different. I had left the wolf to guard me, when I had gone wherever I had gone. 
This time, he wanted me to just break my consciousness free from my body, to willingly let go the tie that bound mind to flesh. Even if I could discover how to do it, I did not know if I had the will to do it. Just lie down and die, Birik had told me. Yes, that's right, die if you must, but come with me, says Night Eyes. I made an abrupt decision. Trust, trust Birik, trust the wolf. What did I have to lose? So he finally realizes what we were saying last chapter. Yeah. <laughs> and it helps that Night Eyes tells him, like, remember, you did this before, mm -hmm. just let go. And he can remember that situation where it's also a very weird chapter. Yes. <laughs> where Fitz just wakes up and doesn't remember how he got next to Molly. Yeah. Which part of me wonders if that kind of jarring experience as part of the thing holding him back. Possibly, like, yeah. He had no control over what happened to his body, and Fitz doesn't really like not being in control of himself, at the very least. He seems to have a pretty big issue with with that in general. I mean, especially we see that when he suffers from his seizures. Yeah. It's very much he hates that his body has failed him. And so I wonder if the realization of something could happen to my body and I would not be aware of it is the thing that's keeping him tethered. I can definitely see that. That that would be, that would make a lot of sense to me at least. Right. And to be fair, um, I wouldn't like the idea of leaving my body to God knows what either. So <laughs> I don't, I think that would be really hard to get around mentally just like, well, my body's just going to die, I guess, and I won't be there. It would definitely be hard, even for somebody who is a normal person. <laughs> right, right. And so Fitz tries to do something. He tries something to go with Night Eyes, but he does the exact opposite thing because he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. So... He groped about inside himself, looking for whatever bound me to my body. I slowed my breathing. I willed my heart to beat more slowly. I refused the sensations of pain, of cold, of stiffness. I sank away from all of it, deep into myself. No, no, Night Eyes howled in desperation. To me, come to me, let go of that, come to me. But there was the scuff of footsteps and the mutter of voices. And the guards are coming. Right. And what's interesting about this is this is a skill approach. Yeah. This is how you center yourself when you're skilling and mm -hmm. how you have to keep a hold of yourself, which is a main tenet of skilling, because if you don't hold on to that sense of self, you are lost in the river forever. So I think it's really interesting here to see at least one big difference between skill and the wit and that skill is keeping yourself in the center and the wit is putting something else with you. Yeah, at least for this for aspect this specific, of the wit. yeah, <laughs> yes, and it's the one magic he had training in. Yeah, it's the one thing he knows how to do. He's just kind of feeling through the wit bond at this point. So, right, it's uh, that was a good distinction to make. Yeah, you are back in the cage. Night eyes cried. Leave it. Leave your body and come to me. It's too late. I whispered. Run away. Run away. Don't share this. Are we not pack? Desperation as throbbing as a wolf's drawn-out howl. He is fully aware now in the floor of his cell and the guards are coming for him. Yeah. 
Fear seized me in its jaws and shook me. Almost I lifted my cuff to my mouth and chewed the pellet from my sleeve right then. Instead, I gripped the tiny paper packet in my fist and made a determined resolution to forget about it. I really wanted to highlight that message because it comes into play big time later on in this chapter. Mm-hmm. That is the poison paper packet that he had prepared for Wallace. Yes. And that, I believe, is also what he was thinking about as a plan at the end of last chapter. Yes. Also, potentially, what kept him to his body. Yes. That he wanted one more chance mm-hmm. to get revenge. Um, which definitely would keep you tethered. Because <laughs> he he's definitely trying to put that paper packet into Regal's face. Kill Regal. Right. They bring him down into the room again. The guards do, and one of them flinches. The other two just... <laughs> right. He is pretty badly beat up. All of his old wounds have reopened, and the blood is re-dried and caked onto him. He is swollen and bruised and stiff. The guards aren't even trying to pretend like he's the one walking in. They're kind of dragging him. And when he gets to the dungeon area that's open, he just sits down. It's too much energy to stand. He gets pushed over and he doesn't move. Yeah. Too much energy to stand and he has to save that energy to his mental fortress. And he says, slowly, laboriously, I cleared myself and began to set the guards on my mind. Over and over through the pain haze, I went over the skill walls I had erected, strengthening them, sealing myself away behind them. The walls of my mind were what I must guard, not the flesh of my body. So once again, we see him resolute to just defend his mind and not be taken over by the skill, more afraid of Will's attacks than his body because his body has defenses of its own. Right. And he's already kind of determined that he will die down here anyways. He just doesn't want to do it without his dignity, without anything bad happening besides just him dying. Right. Again, this comes back to a control thing because the reality of this is if he lets down his walls even a little bit, Will is going to take over his mind, basically. He will force him to do and say whatever Regal wants him to. And that's too much. Will and Regal walk in. Fitz can realize that just through his closed eyes because he can feel Will's skill radiating off of him carelessly, as he mentions. He also mentions that Will was dangerous. Regal supposed he was only a tool. I dared a tiny satisfaction in knowing Regal did not know the perils of such a tool as Will. Which is true, he just uses all of his servants, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. without any regard to what they can actually do. He threatens them, and he doesn't know what they're capable of, in right. particularly the skill, because he doesn't understand it, really. It's an interesting Achilles heel to have for Regal, that he doesn't understand how human beings work. <laughs> I don't know if this is because he's kind of lived a pretty cushy, sheltered life, so he doesn't know what it's like to be mistreated by somebody who's in charge of you a lot. I mean, I think he thinks he knows what that's like because he feels everything is a slight to him from his fathers and his brothers, but they were not anywhere near as horrible as he was. So I don't think he truly understands. Although again, thinking that 
he thought his brothers were this bad and he killed them. I don't know why he wouldn't just assume everybody would kill him if he made them feel that way. Right. But maybe because his mother has drilled it into his head that he's special and so people have to love him because he's more royal than everybody else. So that will protect him or something. There's a lot of similarities in in my mind between Regal and Satrap Cosgo. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I it just kind of like popped into my head right now that they're both just like so arrogant and they were raised to rule apparently, but Cosgo didn't really have that poisonous smart mind from his mother, Fair. like saying all these things and like being super violent. And Cosgo was already in the ruling position, so I feel like if Regal had been raised as the sole prince, he would have turned out to be ineffectual like Cosgo. Fair. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. It's just a lot of the the pampered prince. and yeah, the pampered <laughs> prince who doesn't really do anything right. Yeah. But in their mind they're all powerful and mm-hmm. royal. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't have really any bearing on this episode, <laughs> no, but, but <laughs> it just kind of popped into my mind. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just in these chapters and the rest of the book, I feel like this is where my real hate from Regal grows and comes from whenever I think back on Regal. He's so smug. He's so sure of himself. Fitz draws multiple comparisons to Queen Desire. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, it's pretty despicable. Yeah. He's like so close. I think it's hard because he's so close to somebody who could be an effectual leader. He's so close. There are obvious traits in him that would be well received and would make him a good person. It's just like the evil inside him that peeks through more than the good qualities. (laughs) And it is sad because... You know, I don't know how that could have been stopped unless they would have, like, actually poisoned his mother way earlier on. Right. But here we are. Yeah, here we are in the dungeons. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And as he's commenting to Will, just making a small joke, oh, do you think we've gone too far? Something in the arch amusement in Regal's voice informed me that he had taken more than wine today. Smoke, perhaps? So early? The wolf had said dawn. Regal would never be up at dawn. Something was wrong with my time sense. And that's true. Uh, I think he did pass out for a while on the floor of the cell, Mm -hmm. even if it was dawn when he was with Night Eyes. Time is very weird in this chapter. I think it takes place over kind of halfway through the night and then until the next night. And we... It's a short chapter, and we don't really see much of the passage of time. It's all of that perception is distorted and warped because we're in this lightless place in the dungeons. Right. Interesting. I thought maybe it was Dawn. It could be. I mean... Regal could have been up all night. Partying and was still so inebriated that he decided, you know, it would be fun (laughs) before (laughs) I go to bed. But then I guess maybe not because... That's a little too far, even for Regal at this point. He's not king yet. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? I don't think he cares, to be honest. So uh, that's why I'm like, come on, Fitz. It's probably Don. Will tests Fitz's skill walls. 
and says to Regal that uh, they're still strong, but you've done pretty much everything you can to his body. Just leave me alone with him for a little bit. That's that's what I can do. And Regal pretty much refuses, says, no, uh, I know what you want from him, Will. You see him as a fat wineskin full of skill strength, which you could like to drain. Which is interesting that Regal even knows that about Will, mm-hmm. that he just wants to gain more power. Right. I wonder how much he's done it. Right. Who else he's taking from? Yeah. I don't know. It is really interesting because Fitz did mention that he could fit a feel the skill radiating off of Will, which has not happened yet. And that makes me wonder if that's coming from him stealing other people's skill. Because we know there were other people who had the skill that didn't pass Galen's test that lived in the keep. Yeah. So maybe he was going after them to get stronger, to break through Fitz's walls. Yeah. But also interesting that even with how powerful Fitz can feel well being, it's not enough to break down Fitz's walls. Right. So like, what's his power level at? <laughs> Fitz is, is very strong and defenses. His defenses obviously are very strong because mm-hmm. his body and his mind did that naturally to protect right. him. Right. But I remember Fitz also remarking that he could feel Verity's strength radiating off of him multiple times. There there seems to be like a physical reaction to other skill-sensitive people Mm -hmm. if they're using the skill strongly or wielding it openly. So it's interesting because we, I think we got that same description from Will when Will visited Fitz the first time Mm -hmm. in the cells. Yeah. But not before that, like in the halls when he was trying to be careful and quiet. So it's, he mentions that he wields it carelessly. So I feel like he's just not taking any precaution to contain himself because they already have Fitz captured. It doesn't matter anymore. Or, hear me out, what if he's using it to make all the guards think that Regal is not super drunk? Well, he could be like using it actively, yeah. Yeah, Regal's behest making regal look better to everybody around honestly just in general not even just to the guards i can see that (laughs) yeah yeah make it look like he's he's not high (laughs) also i could see regal just not caring because his example was his mother true that's fair i don't know i just thought like maybe you can only feel it when they're wielding it in some way and so maybe he could feel it because Unless he was trying to skill something to Regal, which I don't think, because obviously he's not getting his way. Right. Well, Regal goes on a small monologue here, just saying uh, again to Will that I'm not going to let you do that. I want him to stand before the Dukes and confess himself a traitor. More, I want him to grovel before the throne and beg for mercy. I will have him denounce all those who have defied me. He himself shall accuse them. No one will doubt it when he says they are traitors. Let Duke Brondy see his own daughter accused. Let all the court hear that Lady Patience, who cries so loudly for justice, has herself betrayed the crown. And for him, that candlemaker girl, that Molly. My heart lurched sideways inside me. I have not yet found her, my lord, Will ventured. Silence, Regal thundered. Almost he sounded like King Shrewd. Do not hearten him with that. She need not be found to be declared a traitor by his own lips. We can find her at her own leisure. 
He can go to his death, knowing she will follow him, betrayed by his words. I will cleanse Buckkeep from dung heap to tower top of all who have sought to betray me and defy me. He lifted his cup in a toast to himself and drank deeply. He sounded, I thought to myself, very like Queen Desire had in her cups. One part braggart to one part sniveling coward. He would fear everyone he did not control. And the next day... He would fear those he controlled even more. Very long, villainous monologue yeah. of someone who is very paranoid. Yeah. Very clearly paranoid. And very vengeful. I'm going <laughs> to... With lofty not only, plans. Yeah, I'm not only going to destroy Fitz, I'm going to destroy everyone he loves and anyone who ever dared to look at me wrong. And I think it's interesting that he starts off seeming like shrewd and it delves into queen desire well at least yeah the silence of command yeah that command words in him and then yeah just kind of dwindles away into more whining and paranoia uh-huh so it's like interesting because i think that's a glimpse we see of he could be a good ruler he has the he has oomph. good examples <laughs> yeah he has a a good ruling voice at the very least that has conviction and power behind it, which isn't necessarily what makes a good ruler, but shrewd would seem to be a somewhat decent ruler. Although he made a lot of sketchy calls in my opinion, but you know, it's interesting to see the start of shrewd turn into desire. Yeah, definitely. I do want to quick point out that, Regal specifically mentions Duke Brondy see his own daughter accused. wonder which daughter it is, and I wonder what they did to speak up in support of Fitz for. I think it's the one betray or betrothed, not betrayed. Celerity? <laughs> yeah, I think Celerity would be the one. And I think the slight is, number one, that she dared want to marry Fitz. Mm. And number two, that Duke Brondy said that Fitz should be the one who rules Buckkeep if we prove him innocent. Quite possible, but that doesn't specifically point out Celerity to Regal. I feel like he would want Fitz to say that Duke Brondy was the traitor then, you know? Because it, it it's more so on Brondy to say that, or arrange a marriage, because that's how it kind of works. I don't think he wants to declare Duke mm, as a traitor, because he fair. still needs them to make him king that's fair so i think this is the best he can get and what hurts worse than your kid dying he watched his dad suffer after chivalry yeah and especially knowing that fitz is the one who betrayed her and she wasn't a traitor although i guess technically she is to be fair she was a traitor because she is backing fitz but not worthy of death right, right. <laughs> i'm not saying it's fair i'm just saying to defense of regal they kind of all are traitors according to the law technically yes, yes. <laughs> i also would be a traitor because i yeah. support them but but also according to the law regal should is a traitor because he killed his own father so True. it's like it's True. a little gray area there <laughs> so i guess everybody's kind of a traitor in their own hearts <laughs> but fitz does learn that they will be going after molly but they have not found her yet and with all of these threats, Fitz just kind of steals himself more. He's like, okay, I, 
they definitely can't get into my brain now. He knew that before, but now he knows all of the plans of making him accuse other people mm-hmm. once Will is inside his head. Which, to note, is not something he even thought could happen. He knew that Regal would make him grovel before the throne and admit that he was a traitor and say he's witted, but he didn't even think for a second Regal would also make him implicate other people that were innocent. Which he should have, but he still underestimates the cruelty Regal can go to. Right. And the ingenuity that that he has. Right. Well, I think... You know, accomplish his plans. I think it just stems from a place of Fitz isn't evil in any way. He's also so, not thinking. No, I mean he everything is right now. Yeah, He's, pretty battered. Yeah, but yeah, I think it just when you don't naturally think that way, you're not thinking of that as the worst possible outcome. I guess hundred percent. And so they continue for a little bit, at least. Regal indicates to Kelfrey, one of the guards, to continue. And he stands Fitz up, and Fitz kind of gathers himself, and then makes a different choice than yesterday. I ran my tongue around the inside of my mouth to free my lips from my teeth, then spoke. You killed your own father. Regal stiffened in his chair, the man holding me tensed. I leaned in his arms, forcing him to support my weight. Once again, he's gathering his strength for Mm -hmm. this. It's his final ploy. It's his final little distraction. He wants to go to Regal in, and he does it admirably. Yeah. It works perfectly. says, Serene and Justin did it, but you ordered it, I said quietly. Regal came to his feet. But not before we had skilled to Verity. I made my voice louder. The effort broke sweat on me. Verity's alive and he knows everything. Regal was coming at me with Will right behind him. I swung my gaze to Will, put a threat in my voice. He knows about you too, Will. He knows it all. The guard held me as Regal backhanded me. Once. Another slap and I felt the swollen skin of my face split under the impact. Right before I jump into the next part here... I want to say that that slap that split his skin is what leaves the scar on Fitz's face. He remarks on it later on, but that particular thing right there is what leaves his face scarred. Weird. Mm-hmm. Not really important to the plot, but it's an interesting thing that it's so, such a visible reminder to him of what Regal specifically did to him in the dungeons. Yeah. Honestly, Regal would probably love knowing that. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did that. Remember that time I tortured you? Oh, what great times. <laughs> He's the worst. It's he execution. <laughs> Chapter 32. I'm Regal, your host. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so Regal draws back his fist to punch him. Fitz centers himself and prepares himself to take it. And also to get ready. But Will learns about it because Fitz wants it too much. Mm-hmm. Will yells out, look out, and springs forward to knock Regal aside. I had wanted it too badly. He had skilled what I, had, what I intended to do. As Regal swung, I jerked free of my guard, slipped aside from Regal's blow, then stepped in. With one hand, I seized the back of Regal's neck 
to pull his face toward my other hand that gripped the now-crushed paper of powder. My intent had been to rub it into his nose and mouth, to hope against hope he'd get enough of it to kill him. But Will spoiled it all. Will pushes Regal aside, and Fitz can't really keep a grip on Regal's neck because of his swollen hands. Mm -hmm. And so Will basically takes his place. Yep. The hand goes forward with a poison powder and he gets it into you know will's nose mouth eyes area and there's a bunch of it that kind of goes up into the air in between them and because of that surprise will gasps in so he must have inhaled some as well Mm -hmm. well immediately after that they fall apart obviously because fitz can't stand on his own and everyone's attacking him everyone jumps on him I was struck, kicked, and throttled before Regal's frenzied cries of don't kill him, don't kill him seemed to matter to anyone save me. I felt them get off me, felt them drag Will from under me, but I could not see. Blood was sheeting down over my face, my tears mingled with it, my last chance and I had failed. I had not even gotten Will. Oh, he would be sick for a few days, but I doubted he would die of it. Even now I heard them muttering over him. Which isn't fully true. Will is fine, but he is disfigured by this. I believe it it does damage him for a long time rather than just a couple days. Mm. He gets more of it and he can Fitz can kind of gather that as well because he hears Regal say, Take him to a healer then. See if he can figure out what's wrong what's wrong with him. Did one of you kick him in the head? So obviously Fitz did more than just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this lets Fitz know that nobody saw what happened, so this gives a better chance of a bad effect happening to yeah. Will in the long term. Because Healer won't know what is going on. Right. Yeah, and by the time they figure it out, more damage will have been done. And so they're kind of resetting here, and Regal's demanding, if is Fitz dead? Like, what did you do if... If he is, I'll hang every one of you talking to the guards. And, of course, the guards are upset by that because... And, and, and Fitz even remarks in his head, like, Regal will never learn not to threaten his own guards. Yeah. Like, that's not something you do. They're supposed to be loyal to you. You don't threaten them with killing them if they do a task incorrectly. Right. Or, you know, because they're beating someone who tried to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also... Fitz remarks that he hopes that Regal does learn the lesson with an arrow to the back. Yeah. <laughs> so hatred is full on at this point, which is fair. I mean, Regal's pretty despicable. He did wait until Fitz was what he assumed to be incapacitated enough that he could hit him. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very cowardly. He's literally seeing this person who's bloody and beat up and has to be held to stand up and he's like okay now's my time to hit him fitz did goad him with right those words he didn't do that before sure but i don't think he would have acted on it before and i suppose him oh he for sure does but i guess also you know regal's like high and drunk at this point so also not great Ambitions are a little down, you know, uh-huh. let his guard down, let loose, have a little fun, you right, know, right. Regal, Regal's having a good day. <laughs> or he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, he's the worst. He's so gross. I wonder, too, though, if the fear of chivalry or 
fits chivalry stems from how much he looks like chivalry. And it almost feels like a ghost haunting him. Possibly, but I also think he knows that and has seen that Fitz is taller than him. He's stronger than him. And he was a competent warrior who is a hero in a couple battles. Right, and is an assassin. And is an assassin. Regal doesn't fully know that, but he he kind like he doesn't know that he's a full fully trained one. He thinks he killed his mentor. Mm-hmm. So he's only like a kid assassin. You right, know? right, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of things there to scare a grown man, True, especially fair. one that you like antagonize. Right. No, Fitz <laughs> is a little scary. <laughs> he's a, he's a big dude, and he's strong because he was rowing all summer. Yeah, practicing weapons, fighting. Fair enough. He's ripped. <laughs> he gets water dumped on him, and Fitz is really out of it and dazed. Pulled one eye open. The first thing he saw was the water and blood on the floor in front of me. If all that blood was all mine, I was in trouble. Dazedly, I tried to think of whose else it could be. My mind did not seem to be working very well. Time seemed to be flowing in jumps. Regal was standing over me, angry and disheveled. And then suddenly he was sitting in his chair, in and out. Light and dark, light again. A healer kneels beside him. Checks him over and says, oh, he's, he's alive. He, he's going to be okay, we think, but you shouldn't do anything more to him. He can't really put up to any more questioning uh, today, your majesty, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, he's probably just going to faint. And a spasm rattled through fits. Seizure coming soon. Good thing Will was gone. Didn't think I could keep up my walls through a seizure. Because as Will is getting hauled out, he blessedly drops his skill walls. Right. And he says it feels like a weight is coming off of him. And it's just a huge burden to maintain that mental capacity. Because he, at this point, he is so beaten and everything that he doesn't even have the strength to maintain consciousness. His right. body is trying to protect him from all the damage that was done to him. Uh-huh. And the blood loss, I'm sure, is making him fade in and out of consciousness as well. Yeah, definitely. It seems as though he's lost quite a bit of blood. He's spending like hours on this floor right Mm -hmm. now going in and out of consciousness. Eventually, he's just dragged off back to his cells. The guards uh, insult him and kind of shake him around and say, hey, you better not make me die. Like, don't die on me because I don't want to die from recall. (laughs) Right. Which somebody responds, great threat, Verde. Someone mocked him. What are you going to do to him after he's dead? <laughs> True. Kind of dumb. But yeah. that's it's a very reasonable response to somebody who's threatened with violence who you're supposed to be working under. You mm-hmm. take your anger out on somebody else. Right. You know, it's a... Very toxic work environment. <laughs> classic bully kind of thing. Like the, uh, the classic bully trope of my father is abusive at home, so I'm going to beat up all the kids at school. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's yeah, the, I guess. Except that's... your father is the principal, and <laughs> right. the yeah. only person you're allowed to beat up is your somebody who's, like, above you in status, I guess? I guess maybe they don't think that. I don't know. Probably not anymore. Also, He's the bastard. interesting that nobody made any sort of facial movement when they found out Verity is still alive and that Regal's the one who killed his dad. All of his guard were just like... We don't know for sure. We're, we're seeing through Fitz's eyes and he's staring and fair. concentrating on Will and Regal. All the guards are surrounding him and there's one guard holding him up behind. So I, I feel like 
we don't really know what that did. Fair enough. It's definitely possible that they had a reaction, but also these are like the chosen men of Regal to mm-hmm. witness and participate in a beating. Right. So even though he was testing them yesterday, as Fitz remarked, I feel like they're all horrible. They know that they're horrible or they're good enough to keep their face straight. Right. Also, I guess, what are you going to do if he killed the king? What chance do you stand if he decides to not like you? Right, right. Fitz fades back into consciousness on his cell floor. And Night Eyes starts talking to him. Are you coming now? I really want to, Night Eyes, but I just don't know how. Changer, Changer, my brother, Changer. What is it? You have been silent for so long. Are you coming now? I have been silent? Yes, I thought you had died without coming to me first. I could not reach you. Probably a seizure. I didn't know it had happened. But now I am right here, Night Eyes, right here. Then come to me. Hurry, before you die. A moment. Let us be sure of this. Fitz can no longer recall any reason not to go with him, to not leave his body. Right. And he remarks that Night Eyes had called him Changer. My own wolf calling me that, just as the fool or Chade called me a catalyst. Well, time to change things for Regal. The last thing I could do was make sure I died before Regal broke me. If I had to go down, I would do it alone. No words of mine would implicate anyone else. I hoped the dukes would demand to see my body. And he makes the choice. Yeah. He grabs the lump that Birik had spit at him, the carry me leaves, Mm -hmm. and other things that Chade had mixed in there, bites down and sucks on it. It was not unpleasant. Pungent. As the herb deadened the pain in my mouth, I could chew at my sleeve more strongly. Stupidly, I tried to be careful of the porcupine quill. Didn't want to get a quill in my lip. It really hurts when that happens. I know, Nut Ice. Come to me. I'm trying. Give me a moment. And he's wondering how to leave his body. He doesn't, still doesn't know how it works. He still doesn't know what happens. And he goes across the link into Night Eyes' own body. Mm-hmm. And he can tell that Night Eyes is chewing at snow, licking his paw, looking up, and he sees that evening is coming on. Good time to hunt. But there was still a thread connecting the two of them, a tiny awareness of the stiff and aching body on a cold stone floor. Just to think of it made it more real. A tremor ran through it, rattling its bones and teeth. Seizure coming. Big one this time. Suddenly, it was all so easy. Such an easy choice. Leave that body for this one. It didn't work very well anymore anyways. Stuck in a cage. No point to keeping it. No point to being a man at all. I'm here. I know. Let us hunt. And we did. Right, so... Fitz does it. He leaves his body behind fully, is now one with night eyes. And it's interesting, this transition of him 
being part of himself to crossing the bridge to severing the tie. It's a lot different than his first attempt this chapter. Yeah. There's no grounding himself in his own body and thinking, slowing the heart down and thinking about any of that. It's more just noticing the bad of his body and almost disassociating it as his own body. Mm-hmm. He starts calling it it and the bo- its bones are weak. And so there's just a separation. And it does feel a little bit like to be open is just not being closed. So a little bit that, of skill philosophy, yeah, a little bit of that idea. But also I think it's more of a wolf philosophy and that if you don't need something, let it go. Yeah. There is only the now. And so besides that body doesn't work. You need a good body to hunt. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting that the beatings in this day for Fitz kind of pushed him to that point. Right. If he hadn't gotten surrounded and kicked and choked or whatever by all of the guards after he attempted to kill Regal, the seizures probably wouldn't have come on and he might not have easily made that decision. Yeah, I think his fear of seizures really... That loss of control, like you're saying. Yeah, and if he has to lose control either way, why suffer through the pain when you could be a wolf? Yeah, and I think that disassociation as well of saying, this is just a thing, it's not mine, Mm -hmm. also makes it hard to go back into his body later. Right. We get that in the next chapter, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, when Beric coaxes, fits back into his own body. But... I I seem to remember there was difficulty of being like, that's just a dead thing. That's not ours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why why would we need this? Yeah. So it's just that disassociation really helped him leave it behind. Yeah. I think it's also just a coping mechanism. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely suffered a lot. This is a painful event. And I don't blame him. I think it's a lot to go through. Yeah, I would think so, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I had to guess. (laughs) Yeah, pretty, pretty horrible things that Fizz has gone through. And this this does stick with him for the rest of his life, which it should. Yeah. He does trap away some of the worst feelings of it in the next book, which I don't really blame him for. But it is an issue. Right. That comes up later that we'll probably talk about. But it's... It's something that never leaves him, and he does think about frequently. Right. Well, he doesn't have a way to process it. So he took the feelings away from the memory, but he still has the memories. Right. And I think that really stunts the ability to be able to get over it. Right, exactly. So So especially when he gets those memories back, he feels the fresh pains. He feels what he felt back then, even if... The memory itself is kind of like scarred over mm-hmm. or he locked it away. Those emotions along with those memories really reignite everything. Right. No time to heal. Nope. And poor Fitz. I mean, what a life. <laughs> you know. He's like he, 18 or something right now. Yeah. And this is the end of kind of his innocence of his carefree 
nature that he somewhat had up until this point, I feel he still had hope that he could make things different. All he had to do was get through this and then he could live a life on his own. And I feel like after this, he's never quite fully satisfied. He never feels like he can just enjoy what he has in the moment. It's always like, when's the next bad thing happen going to happen? I'll never be satisfied. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I feel really bad for him. And this is just, ugh, it's so hard. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's our little baby boy. Yeah. You know? We're in the story with him. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to protect him. <laughs> Even if he is an idiot most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he's a good-natured one, unlike Regal. <laughs> True. Well, rough chapters. We got through them. It's only upwards from here, right? Ugh. Right, right, Emma? It's yeah, sure. Only, only good things? Um. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for tuning in this week. This is a short chapter, like we said, but these last few chapters have been extremely important to Fitz's journey, mm-hmm. and we are glad you stuck with us along the way. If you have anything to mention to us to to talk about Fitz's emotions, his disassociation with his body, with the differences between centering yourself and being able to use his wit properly please shout out at us let us know isfitshappy at gmail.com where you can email us directly or we're on any social medias at isfitshappy twitter.com facebook.com instagram.com slash isfitshappy Okay, so we wanted to talk a little bit about a comment we got on Facebook from Irene. Thank you, Irene. And it was just about how chapter 29 of this book, Escapes and Captures, really was the epiphany for them that Fitz is not part of the normal fantasy trope of the hero always making the right decisions and everything turning out okay on the end. Yeah, when True dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and poor Fitz. It is really hard uh, to see someone that we love, Fitz, making the wrong decisions. To be fair, I don't know that I'd make any better decisions, <laughs> especially in this state. But it is interesting how the trope of no matter what the hero does, they're eventually always it'll right. turn out right. Yeah, yeah it's very obviously thwarted when did you figure that out when you were reading the books the first time Mm. that this wasn't a typical things go right story at the end i mean to be fair this is the middle book of the trilogy Mm -hmm. so maybe you could figure out that oh it it will turn out okay at the end (laughs) which i guess it kind of does i mean technically but fitz isn't okay at the end bittersweet and sad and yeah um I feel like I started feeling like this was not normal fantasy whenever it started talking about dealing with Fitz having depression Mm. and struggling with his choices to kill people. I feel like that's not something you get to see very much in any sort of fantasy books. I feel like it's always brushed aside as like, I had to do this for duty and 
I'm not going to think about the reality of what it means to kill someone. So I think that kind of made me feel like maybe it was different, but I definitely had to get to the end of this book to be like, oh, okay, so maybe, <laughs> so maybe it's not going to be okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I guess I just, I was like, well, clearly he'll get out of the dungeon. It'll be fine. Right. Like he's going to be okay. And then he doesn't. And <laughs> I'm like, well, he has night eyes. So there's a plan. He'll be fine after. And then that takes a long time for him to recover from. And I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> And he loses both Jade and Beric in the beginning of the next book as well as yeah. like friends because they're fed up with him. And yeah, no, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Lots of rehab, lots of consequences that actually happen. This is it. It is an interesting point to make because I feel like if you don't know what you're getting into, it's a huge surprise <laughs> of like what keeps happening and, and what right. is going wrong. And there's actually consequences to answer to actions. Yeah. It's yeah. I also though feel like I held out hope because this was the first time I had like read a real adult fantasy book. I typically stick to YA. So I think I was like, maybe this is just what adults write. Like, <laughs> And, and I think and there are great series where there's lots of consequences to actions uh-huh. and great development and stuff. This is just very dark for right. a long drawn out fantasy series. Yeah, no, I after reading others, this is definitely its own unique story. But no, I definitely think I held out hope just because I came from a YA space where everything's fine in the end. <laughs> also, Irene does mention that. They feel sorry for Fitz ever since learning that this is like not a typical fantasy. trope fantasy series. Yeah. Because they can understand the will to make good decisions and trying to do good and then just making the wrong ones every single time. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely human. I think everybody has done something that they thought, oh, this is the best decision to make. This is going to have a good outcome. And then you do it. And then all of a sudden, everything's going to crap. And you don't know what's going on. <laughs> this is not what you intended. It's definitely relatable. Not to his scale, to no, be fair. No, but no. It, it's definitely relatable. I've never had to deal with somebody murdering my grandpa and then deciding, should I go after them with a knife? <laughs> you mean your uncle murdering your grandpa? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Or a magic user, yes, I guess. Yeah, no, never had to... The typical the, the typical magicians, I'll saw you in half and it'll be fine afterwards, except there's no reveal. <laughs> yeah, it does humanize him a lot. And it was a really good point to bring up. Yeah. So thank you, Irene. And also, if you guys have any questions for us, if you want to bring up anything over the whole book... Please let us know. We'll be doing a end of book wrap up like we did last time during the epilogue episode. So if you have any questions for us over the past two books or anything about plot for this one or anything you want to get a, a feeler out on our opinions on for the overall book, not just a specific chapter. Right. If you wanted to know our input on a pattern you've been seeing or something you think that we really missed and didn't get to, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. As always, we love hearing from you guys and look forward to more points you guys have to give to us. <laughs>